Welcome to the Startup Creative Podcast. I'm your host, Kayleen Langford, founder of Startup Creative, your go-to source for straight-up business advice. Hi guys and welcome back to the Startup Creative Podcast. I'm your host, Kayleen Langford, and on today's episode, I have a brilliant chat with a brilliant business mind and her name is Steph Taylor. Steph and I worked together in a coaching capacity a few years back now. She's been on the podcast when she was doing more social media in her business, coaching and training around that, and has more recently pivoted her business to do launches, online courses, and teaching people how to make passive income through their business. Steph is brilliant at this. She's a really hard worker. She has carved out her perfect business model, and we share really good insights into boundaries in business. Steph has some incredible insights and tips on how to say no um, and charge what you're worth and, and stand behind what value you're offering your your client, as well as sharing some insights into how much to give for free, how to do an online course. I quiz her on some of the frequently asked questions that I get when people come to me and say, hey, I, I really want to set up passive income. And Steph shares what it really takes to to get that set up in your business, as well as some really honest and beautiful insights into how she has had to shift and change her business and and what that was like for her, some of the sacrifices she had to make and what she is now offering and doing and bringing into the world in a very successful way. So enjoy this podcast. Lots of amazing advice from Steph, who is an absolute expert in this space. And we are very honored to have her on this podcast today, giving so much incredible advice for you guys looking to start out. So enjoy the episode, guys. Hello and welcome back to the podcast, Steph. Thanks so much for having me back. Oh, it's always a pleasure chatting with you and I think uh, you're just a brilliant business mind and I, I love chatting back and forth with you and been working and communicating and collaborating for a few years now. I know it's been I reckon it's been more than three years now it's crazy. It's amazing I love that and it's such a reflection of how I do my friends and business as well as like once you're in you're in. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> You've got me for life now. Oh. <laughs> I love that attitude. Yeah. Well, I just feel like when you find good people in business, you know, you um, it's a you have those good relationships where you you know it's um, mutually beneficial, and you're, you're both supporting each other and helping each other grow and and sharing each other's expertise. Yeah, and honestly, I think relationships has been like the biggest game changer in business. I did the first couple of years by myself and it was really mentally quite hard, like not having people to chat to, not having friends that got it. So yeah, fully agree. It is, isn't it? And I've been so lucky. I was just thinking about this the other day around, you know, there's a lot of people who do women in business and, you know, all of the female support. And I totally get that. And there's a, a big space for that. But I've never really felt the need to do like women only because I think I'm natural, I have such amazing women supportive around mm. me and have always have. So it just feels normal to be like working with women all the time as well. <laughs> yeah, I get that. And like friends in business, like I also, I love my male friends in business. Like they have such a fresh perspective from all of my female business friends. And it's it's kind of cool to like consider things from their perspective. Oh yeah, absolutely. Same. Some of my male friends in business, um, they definitely push me to go harder, which is good. Yeah. And then, then you get with the girls and I'm like, let's have some wine. No, <laughs> as well. It's the yin and yang. I love it. Yeah, it's very much needed. But um, Steph is an ex, she operates under Steph Taylor. You might have recognized her from a previous episode where um, Steph used to do a lot of work in social media support and we were just having a bit of a rant about social, which I'm sure we will um, <laughs> share yes. with you guys. Um, but Steph has since pivoted her, pivoted her business to doing more online course launches and, um, you know, Steph and I actually relate related. I think I remember when we first met, we were full Amy Porterhouse. Um, oh, yeah. Porterfield. <laughs> um, 
fangirls, but Steph has stepped into her own as an expert in this space and produces lots of amazing content, which we're going to touch on a little bit today. Um, but something that I also admire about how you do your business, Steph, is the the boundaries that you set and the um, your own worth in knowing what you have to offer. And you're super generous in what you do offer, but you're also not afraid to say, hey, come and learn from me through these channels. Yeah, look, I think it took me way too long to actually get those boundaries in place. I, for so long, I just wanted to help everyone and people would reach out to me asking for free advice, you know, like the quick, hey, can I just ask you this one quick question kind of DM that you get on Instagram? And I found it really hard to say no to people. And then it wasn't until I actually realized people don't value that kind of advice that they're getting from you for free. And I could give people the best advice in the world for free, but they're not going to go and take action because they don't value it because they haven't paid for it. So yeah, like for me, a big one was starting to learn to say no to people and realizing that by saying no to that free advice and setting that boundary, I'm actually being of better service to them because they then have to go and pay if they want to learn that. And if they aren't that serious about learning that, that's fine. I'm saving my energy for the people who are paying for it so I can show up better for them. I love that. It's so true. And I've seen it in my own business, especially with friends and family. I would say I'm going to throw my mum under the bus here, but probably (laughs) every three or four months mum calls me and maybe even like more frequent than that and is like, Hey, I need your help. And I'm like, yes, Aww. mother. And um I'll I don't don't awe her. She is you know, <laughs> she's the guilty. And um we'll say things. And then so it's I started out with like, you know, really helping her out. And then she'd come back and I'll go and I was like, Did you do your last homework? And she was like, No. And I'm like, so now I'm like, okay, mum, here's my diary book in a session. I love that but it's it's so true and then also like what happens is when you get the same people coming back to you over and over and again over and over again for free advice you start to resent giving them that advice and like that resentment isn't a good energy to be in yeah and I think it's just an energetic exchange right like when you Mm. if you don't charge for your premium advice like yes we all give amazing content through socials and and tips and tricks and but if you're if you keep giving away your stuff for free then that's the energetic energy that you're holding which is that I'm not worth being paid I agree and like I, I believe in giving away some of my best content for free but it's as soon as people start assuming that because I give away so much for free on my podcast and so much for free on Instagram that they then have access to me. That's where for me it starts, that resentment starts creeping in. And one big thing I've learned is like where you start feeling or like the the feeling of resentment is a sign that you need to set a boundary or that a boundary is being crossed And that was where, like, I we were talking about my DM autoresponder on Instagram. I used to resent my DMs. I was getting so many of them. And it was so many people who assumed that because I taught a free masterclass on how to launch a a podcast, they assumed that they could just reach out and be like, hey, you didn't answer my question on the webinar. Can you quickly answer it in your DMs? And I'd be getting... 10 to 20 of these specific questions each week and that was the point where I was like okay something needs to change here because I can't be answering people's questions for free like that's not okay yeah I totally agree and I think there's an element too of the other like people respecting your generosity as well Mm -hmm. and being like wow and I think that's something that I and I actually spoke about this in the podcast that went live today around money and it's I've actually shifted my energy in in wanting to invest like when I see something that I like or the that I want or an expert that I want to learn from actually 
you know, paying full price and yeah. and really in you know backing it because it not only does it hold that energy of, um, you know, I really value what you have to offer and therefore I want that fair exchange of paying for it, um, but also it it sets that if I'm going to invest in other people, then people will invest in me. Yeah, and I also like I'm a big believer that the more you invest in yourself, the more value you can bring to your audience the more you can charge for your clients so Mm. you know like yeah it might be an investment up front but ultimately you can charge more for what you offer as a result Mm. and I think especially in the service space that's a really good point and I talk about like the expert status all the time which is that you know as you and I Steph where we might be investing in better podcasting materials or you know music for our podcast or editing or, or courses or books and you know this morning I sat down and was trying to finish my book that I'm reading and I was like going through all the things in my head of what I had to do. And I was like, you know, and I said to myself, sitting here and reading this book is investing in your business because you're learning and that's going to make you better at what you do. So like carving out time to actually grow as a person. I love that. And I've actually, one of the things I've started trying to make more time for is, so every Wednesday I now have an inspiration day. So I don't technically work on Wednesdays unless I really want to. And what I do on my Wednesdays is read books. I do online courses or like on, if I, if I'm just feeling exhausted and not inspired, I'll just take the day off. And that in itself means that I can show up better because I then have more energy. I'm feeling inspired. I'm upskilling, like you were saying, with reading those books and doing courses all of that kind of stuff then makes me a better business owner. So even though I'm only working four days a week, I'm actually showing up with full energy for those four days rather than a watered down, exhausted, uninspired version of myself. Yeah, and I remember that is that is so good. I do that Monday, Wednesday and Friday. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I, I do like, I mean, I end up doing like today's a Monday and we're recording a podcast. Yeah. By choice, you know, I want it. It's something that's lifting me up and that I want to creatively be working on. Um, but if I might touch on emails or, you know, put mm. the podcast live and stuff like that, but it's always stuff that's really like allows me to flow with my day. I like that. Yeah. Mm. Mine's kind of, I, yeah, just what I feel like doing. So if I feel like <laughs> I started writing a book, so I'm like, if I feel like writing, I'm going to write. If I feel like recording podcast episodes, I'll do that. If I don't even feel like opening my laptop, that's cool too. Yeah, it's so important. And I think that that's one of the things of the reasons why I started my own business. And it was really hard to undo the conditioning that I need Mm. to be working all the time. And I remember that like that first few weeks, months of being in business for yourself where you're like, is somebody going to call me and ask me like what I've done this week or, you know, that (laughs) hovering feeling of like. I still get that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, like. I've been, I've almost been out of my corporate job for five years. It'll be five years in May since I left corporate. And I still sometimes feel like somebody's going to call me out for not having done enough work. Yeah, it's it's so real. And I think that's part of the education piece, right? Is that you don't have to, I mean, four hour work week was a game changer for me, but Mm -hmm. I've even just even through my own like meditation practices have learned that you know, me working hard and like through a, a, from a place of clarity for a couple of hours is better than doing a 40-hour work week for me. Oh, 100%. 100%. And like I actually reckon I get more done in 20 to 25 hours a week than most people would in a 40-hour week. Like mm. I get more done now that I don't work Wednesdays and like most days I'll stop working around lunchtime anyway, unless I'm doing like podcast recordings or things like that. Um, and I get more done since I've set those boundaries around my work hours than I used to when I felt like I had to be at my desk eight till five. Mm. 
And I think that's a really good, for those who are sitting at home and are like, yeah, but you guys have successful businesses or have <laughs> been doing it. I think that it actually doesn't come down to that. I think it really comes down to boundaries mm-hmm. and designing your work week because there's this, I can't remember what it's called, but it's, um, there, there's this law, it's like the law of um, Parkinson's law. Yeah, it's like you get things done in the in the yeah. time that you allow. Is that what yeah, it is? Yeah, that's Parkinson's law, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think like also when we're when we're saying like, oh, but like I have all of this work to do, I'm busy, 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 I don't have time to work on my business, then yeah, like that's of course you're not going to have time to work on your business because you're telling yourself you don't have time to work on your business. I mm. when I first started So, I mean, obviously, like a big part of the reason why I can get away with working 20-hour weeks is most of my income comes from digital products. And it's I only had the time to create those digital products because I fired all of my clients and had a few months where I was literally eating me because Mm -hmm. I was so broke. But, you know, like if you keep waiting, if you're like, oh, well, I'll start working a 20 hour week or a 25 hour week once I have the time once I'm making more money that's never going to happen you actually have to change something to get to that point where you can do it and it took me way too long to realize that something needed to change and that it wasn't going to happen by working massive weeks I needed to start cutting down my hours first and then picking the tasks that were going to move me forward rather than just working in the business and being busy for 40 to 60 hours every week. That, uh, that is such good advice. And I've d- I've been through that recently of just being so busy and being like, I, I actually am so busy. I've got so many clients and so many people wanting to be clients, but I'm physically maxed out. And so it mm. meant I had to stop and I had to, you had to take, you have to take a risk in being like, okay, if I stop coaching and and actually use this next few months to build a membership that's actually scaling it's like almost taking a few steps back so then you can take 10 steps forward I love that exactly and also I think there's this big idea probably thanks to like the Gary V's of the business world that we always have to be doing more 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 and I don't know like my (laughs) my default setting has always been to try and do as much as possible and that works to a point but I actually have realized like since I've started doing less in my business but doing it more intentionally and doing it better that's where my business has grown is in the areas where I've started doing less so like for 2021 I'm like okay I have three projects I want to do this year that's it normally I'd be like okay January I'm doing this February I'm doing that March I'm doing that this year I'm like okay I'm doing three projects and I'm taking three months off and that's Mm. it amazing I love that (laughs) I think this is so good and I think we we should give some tips as to how do people get to this so that we don't sound like bougie privilege because I know that I know exactly where you started and I was the same and Mm. we've worked really hard to get to this point and I think I'd love to hear your tips Steph but I would say the biggest thing that's allowed me to get to this place is a like yes you have to carve out the time and hustle at the beginning Mm. because you're creating something from nothing so you're exactly what Steph said is like you have to you something has to give if you're going to create something new so you have to let go of some stuff but I think like in maybe it's the same for you is that it really does come down to your own personal discipline and your boundaries with yourself as a person so whether it's you know for me it was saying no to socializing or you know um which is really hard for me (laughs) there's always I think I realized there's always going to be something on there's always going to be a dinner or a show or a party or a weekend getaway um it used to be trips overseas um but actually learning to say no to those things and create routine and structure and boundaries for yourself to carve out that time. And for me, it comes from a place of I I sit down first and go, how bad do I want this? What do I want? And then how bad do I want it? And then what needs to change in order for it to come to to reality? I love that. It's all about your priorities, right? And 
I remember very clearly the first four years of my business. So basically up until like this time last year where I every basically every dollar I made that wasn't paying for my apartment or my food was going straight back into the business. And it was really hard because I could see all of my friends around me who were in jobs, who had nice clothes and who were going on really nice holidays And I was like, oh, I just really wanted that extra bit of money to spend. But I also knew that by putting that money back into my business, I was going to be able to grow it and eventually I'd be able to make more money. So, you know, like if your priority is wearing nice clothes and going on fancy holidays, that's fine. But you've got to acknowledge that that's your priority and that your business growth is going to be slower because you're not putting that money back into your business. Mm. Uh, like, Like you said, with the socializing, like, if that is your priority, that's cool, but your business growth is going to suffer or not suffer, but it's going to be slower because you're not putting that time into it there. So I guess it's like getting really clear on what your priorities are as far as time goes and as far as money goes. And also really focusing on one thing at a time. I think this is underrated. Everyone, like I get a lot of people coming to me being like, Steph, I want to launch a library of online courses teaching people everything they need to know about, I don't know, social media, PR, copywriting, whatever their area of expertise is. They think that to be successful, they have to have a whole library of products. And the amount of time that goes into creating five different products, let's say, versus the time that they could put into creating one and really growing that one and getting it to the point where it's sustaining itself so that they then have the time and income to go and invest into creating the next product. Like I think Mm. having that focus and being really clear on what you're working on rather than trying to do everything. I like, I, I made this mistake as well. I wanted to have a library of products. I wanted to offer all of the different services. And as a result, I ended up spending or spreading my time so thinly that it actually slowed my business growth down a lot compared with if I'd just doubled down on one thing at a time. Yeah, and I totally get that. And it's such good advice because I'm so guilty of that. And I think with the increase of um, podcasts and we were just talking about Clubhouse and social media and all (laughs) the things, it's like you. it can be really easy to be pulled in lots of different directions of lots of different experts who are trying to tell you what their secret hack is or, you know, how the best way to do it. And I think at the end of the day, like, yeah, even I think I remember going through that hull of being like, no, who do I want to take advice from? Mm. And I'm going to pick a few really key experts that I value and, you know, admire and are teaching stuff that I want and, and follow them and, and try not to compare myself or get pulled in too many different directions of trying to keep up with trends because, then you just become like in a trance of being played by robots and clickbait and (laughs) social media notifications. And it's exhausting. Like I, yeah, like I said to you before we jumped on or before we hit record, I have been fielding invites from people for Clubhouse for the last couple of weeks. And the thought of investing more time and energy into another social media platform that to me I, I I would rather have that time and that energy and that freedom than the potential benefits of a new social media platform you know mm. like there's always going to be more stuff you can do and just because you can do it and you can spend your time doing it doing it should it doesn't mean that you should and doesn't mean that it's going to be worthwhile Um, I mean, there's always going to be somebody out there being like, you have to be on TikTok, you have to be on Clubhouse, you have to be doing reels, you have to be doing this, you have to be creating online courses, you have to be launching a podcast, like, you don't have to do anything. And I think so much of the art of business is picking and choosing where you want to spend your time, and where you're going to get the best results, or like the best return on your time, rather Mm -hmm. than trying to just cram everything in and Yeah, that's been like, I remember when I first started in business, I was on Periscope, I was on everything, I was doing everything. It was not a fun time. (laughs) 
yeah, I I mean it's so valid, and I randomly I don't know why I have been having these intent maybe because my brain is so busy, but I woke up the other morning and I remember the first thing that I thought, and I was so intensely feeling it emotionally, was this realization of you know, everyone being like, you know, you've got a video contents working really well and exactly all the Mm -hmm. things that you just said. And it just occurred to me, like it just like clicked. And I was like, I'm not teaching social media advice anymore because I was like, (laughs) what is, what, why are we following those trends? We're doing it to get engagement based on that social media's algorithm that they're going to reward you. It's like, being a puppet where you just go, yeah. oh, yeah, if we do that, then we will get um, more engagement. But what does that engagement, is that like the energy that you're putting into that engagement, is it converting? Is it building loyal followers or is it just getting likes? And then as a result of you investing more time and energy onto that app, the benefits really are to the owners of the app who are then selling your engagement as advertising a hundred percent a hundred percent and like I one of the big shifts in how I teach my students and like one of the big reasons why I pivoted from teaching social media was I actually see way more success way better results from channels like podcasting and email marketing than I do from social media now like not just with my own business but with my own clients and students where they are using their email marketing or using their podcast to nurture their audience and grow their audience and that's happening a lot quicker than it has been on Instagram Um, for me like Instagram is and probably hopefully will be in the future still a good way of that to like having a two-way conversation with my audience which they like my podcast listeners obviously can't talk back to me but on Instagram people can message me they can comment it's a really nice two-way conversation but it's not something that generally converts that well for me email converts much better for me um yeah and I think yeah it's just like kind of knowing where each platform lives in terms of your whole funnel Um, And a lot of people think that Instagram is how they're going to grow their business and how they're going to get more followers, which is then going to turn into more customers. But that's very rarely the case. That's very rarely where people first find you these days is what I'm finding. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's just a real estate game. There's so much (laughs) content on there and, uh, you know, that it is hard for it to, to reach everyone's very short attention spans. And I think what I love about how you've noticed, um, Instagram, I mean, emails and podcasts. And if you look at that, and what we'll, I think we'll dive into with your course creation is that it's actually, it's really good quality content that's genuinely helping people. And I love that they are like, I'm the same, you know, podcasts, especially it's like, you know, five to 10 times a day, I'm getting feedback on that podcast. And it, for me, I'm like, it's, I don't have ads on there. It's not driven by algorithms. It's just me genuinely showing up to help people and then that's landing and it's it's refreshing to know that when you just show up to be of service and genuinely care and want to share something, then how well that can do as content. Yeah, and I think also like for me, some of the best performing content has been the stuff where I've been open and honest about my own journey um, rather than giving straight up tips like that's what I used to do I used to just share tips all the time but I found that since I started sharing my own stories that kind of content has been doing so much better Um, Mm. rather than just trying to add value add value add value by being by leading as a human first and being like hey guys like I'm not perfect let me tell you about that time (laughs) that I stuffed up that kind of content has been so powerful and it really, it, not just from like an engagement perspective, but also from an actual impact perspective, I find mm. that that stuff is way more impactful than tips. 
And it just stands out, like, is because you're a real person. And I think that would be a question. Where I'm going to jump in with Steph and ask her some of the myths and frequently Yay. asked questions around <laughs> online courses and digital content because she's an absolute whiz at passive income and, and course launches, which we're very lucky to have her on here giving this advice for free today. But the... um I would say one of the questions is like, you know, there's so many people saying, oh, yeah, I'm just going to launch a course and and make all this passive income. Mm-hmm. Um, but how important would you say that it is to be a face behind the brand and to, you know, show up with, as the expert and the teacher and reveal that side of a course or a brand as well? Mm, so what's the quote? It's like people don't buy People don't buy from businesses, they buy from other humans or people buy from people, something along those lines. I wholeheartedly believe that. I think if people get to know you as a person and like you as a person and they get to trust you as the expert, and when I say expert, like everyone thinks, well, I'm not an expert. Um, (laughs) I don't think like, I I think if you step into the role of the expert and start and like upskill yourself to the point where you are an expert in something, then you have 100% earned the right to call yourself an expert. Um, But I think if people are knowing you, liking you, trusting you as a person, they are so much more likely to buy from you than if you are a faceless brand, which goes for any kind of business, not just digital products. But I think in particular where they're going to be learning from you, like if you're the person teaching the course, and they're going to have your face on their screen or your voice in their ears, then I think it's really important that they know who they're buying from and who they're going to be learning from. And, like, I also think it's important that they know your story. Like, why why are you so passionate about what you're teaching? What qualifies you? And, like, that doesn't necessarily mean you have to have a degree. That means like, okay, you've been through the same journey that they are going through. You've helped certain clients, you've achieved certain results. Like all those kinds of things are big signals as to why they should trust you to be the expert and to teach them. Um, I think also like the connection piece, it really, when people are buying from another person that they like and that they trust, they, I think they become a lot more, um, what's the word? What, how can I put this? They, they are a lot more respectful of mm. your team and of your business. They're not going to be just black and like randomly asking for refunds or High maintenance. <laughs> yeah. They're not going to be bashing you on social media as much because they know that there's an actual person there. It's not just some faceless corporation that they're dealing with. That's so it's true. Yeah. It's like, and it's just human behavior, really. It's like, mm. you know, when, and I think with the, you know, especially in the online space, I think there is a big question about how do you stand out? And as a business coach, people say, you know, well, it's already been done or there's lots of people. <laughs> but at the end of the day, people are actually just looking for the most relatable coach or teacher for them you know it's like and we actually have that choice now it used to be go to university or TAFE or this course Mm -hmm. or um, you know whatever and there was a handful and you kind of whatever teacher you were given is the class that you took whereas now we have so much freedom about who we want to learn from so understanding how that person got to where they are and their story and their values and beliefs as an individual And maybe even whether, you know, they have a family or, you know, how they spend their spare time, whatever, all of that can contribute to whether that person, you know, who, whether they buy from you or not. Exactly. And like one of the biggest concerns that I see with my students is they are really worried about people not liking them. They're like, oh, what if I have this opinion and people don't agree? And that's a really good thing because you don't want the people who aren't going to agree with you. Like I think being polarizing as a personal brand is one of the most powerful things you can be because the wrong people aren't going to come to you and that's fine, but the right people are going to be really drawn to you like magnets. Like we don't need, like I I don't need to remind you guys of a lot of the particularly polarizing political faces out there who people love or hate. 
but <laughs> that's what makes them so powerful, right? <laughs> and it's also what stands it out in the audience. And I, I remember this and I even notice it in my own brand. If I'm being too basic and nice and just, you know, not having an opinion, then why would people listen to you? You know, it's the mm. same old, same old. So actually having an opinion and producing content or a a point of view on something that is uniquely yours or that hasn't maybe been said or maybe is going to challenge people, then that's actually what's going to make you stand out and make people go, oh, hang on, this is different to all the other noise yeah. on the internet. <laughs> I love it. Yes, a good unpopular opinion. I love it. <laughs> I actually had a client the other day do a coaching session and um, her in email inquiry was, um, I have just listened to all of your podcasts and I'm ready for coaching. Like I, I want to get a session. And I replied and I was like, aren't you sick of my voice by now? <laughs> and then she, on our session, she, we jumped on Zoom and I was like, she was like, it's so good to finally meet you. <laughs> and I was like, it's so funny how people listen to your podcast. I mean, that's obviously it's working, right? Is you, yeah. they listen and they feel like you, they're getting to know you. So, you know, paying for a session is a no brainer. So the sale becomes easier. And then also you just can jump straight into deep dive work because you've already kind of conditioned them to how you work. And, you know, sometimes I have coaching clients come in and be like, you know, I know you're going to say this and this is probably a limiting <laughs> belief and they're like all these like because <laughs> they've listened to so much of my content and I was like, oh, great. I'm kind of like it's the pre-course content before they get to coaching. Yeah, I. it's so funny because I have the exact same thing with um, – so I recently launched my new course. When I say recently, I mean the end of last year. And I had a lot of people who signed up whose names I'd never seen on Instagram. Like they'd never even like crossed my path. And they told me they'd just been listening to my podcast for months and months and months. They heard me talk about the course and they signed up. And these are people who some of them weren't even following me on Instagram. Yeah, wow. <laughs> It goes to show, hey, it's like, and you've got to have those touch points across all the different platforms to really grab people um, for when the timing is right. Exactly, yeah. Okay, let's dive into that because I think that's going to um, really give us some insight into what you do now. I know that mm-hmm. um, when the last time we chatted and you mentioned you were doing social media stuff, we chatted before recording around um, you had an idea to build a marketing agency and then have just since decided to pivot to teaching course launches. So tell us a bit about your journey to get yeah. into this, and then I'm going to throw some frequently asked questions at you. Yeah, so I was on track to building an agency. I had, it was me and a team of three, and we were just doing like, you know, the general client social media, online marketing stuff. We were writing Instagram captions and blog posts and running Facebook ads and all of the things that your average social media online marketing agency does. And it kind of got to the point where I was like, okay, I either need to really scale this business so I can get out of it, or I need to find, I need to change my direction completely. And at that point I already had one face, one course. Can I ask a quick question? Yeah. What made you think that? Like where did, at what point were you like, oh, (laughs) this has to change? I was exhausted. I was working so hard. I had a couple of, I had a series of difficult clients Mm -hmm. and what happened was, I can't remember which one was the straw that broke the camel's back, but there was one particular client who hired somebody new who I was liaising with directly and she was ex-agency. She was, she'd been at an agency and she was treating myself and my team like we were a big corporate agency, expecting like endless, endless rounds of revisions, late night replies to emails, everything like that. And it just got to the point where I was like, I can't do this as it is. Um, so, yeah, ended up pivoting into just selling my own online courses. So I'd been creating courses as well. And I thought, okay, let me just fire all my clients. <laughs> I make this sound so easy. Just fire all my clients. Yeah. Um, I think there were a few months there where I made like $500 mm-hmm. um, after I fired the clients. But 
what happened was then I actually had more time to invest into creating and launching and scaling my own courses. And I had a Facebook ads course, an Instagram course, an email marketing course. I think that was it. And what happened was, sorry. Stop there. Cause I think it's really interesting and it's good for people to realize is this idea of like when business when you feel like you're exhausted and you're juggling all the balls or Mm. you know you've your client you're not enjoying your clients then that's a it's a pressure point right where Mm. you have an opportunity to stop zoom out and evolve and change and I think sometimes people either give up altogether or they push through until they actually do burn out yeah um, or go and get another a job and and shut down the business um you know and i think i think it's really inspiring to to for you to have had that awareness to be like i'm not enjoying this and i think you know what you said before about gary v is like you know it's a i think it is you know there's certain people in business and i think you and i that stuff around we also want lifestyle businesses you know we want to build businesses that are supporting our mental health and our lifestyles and and a life as well not just creating an another job for yourself (laughs) exactly yeah exactly I think um the the point where I got to I felt like I was working harder than I had in my corporate job and I was earning less money and Mm -hmm that I realized I was like, that's not why I started my business. I didn't start my business so I could work more and earn less. (laughs) I started my business so I could work less, earn more and have just general freedom that I couldn't have in my corporate job. And I suddenly felt like all of the freedom I had had gone. Like this one client left me no room for creativity and it was just so unenjoyable Um, And then, yeah, so I had all of these, I stopped working with clients. I had all of these random courses about marketing, but I wasn't really known for anything. I was just like the general marketing chick who had a podcast teaching online marketing and a couple of courses teaching various marketing things. But I wasn't, you know, I wasn't like the Facebook ads girl. I wasn't the Instagram girl. I wasn't the email marketing girl. I was just the girl who taught everything Mm -hmm. and it wasn't until I did a strategy session with a business coach where um, I said to her I was like okay I want to launch this 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 but I'm not known for anything and she was like well obviously launching is your thing she's like nobody else is that excited about launching new products (laughs) Mm -hmm. and that was when the light bulb went off I was like oh like launching's easy I love it it comes so easily to me um so yeah, that was kind of what started the pivot and I, I sat that. on it. Sorry. Yeah, I love it. Keep going. Yeah. And I sat on the I, I sat on it before I sat on it for a year before I actually fully pivoted. But I used that year to learn as much as I could and to really get to a point where I was comfortable that I could teach other people to do what I've been doing. Mm, and I think that's a good point in that you have to, you do have to stop and zoom out. And one of the most important questions is, you know, and I, I ask this of clients when they come in in this confused stage is like, you know, what what makes you come alive? What are you passionate mm. about? Um, you know, and really looking at your natural skill set and then using that as the starting point for whatever business model might unfold. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And like, I mean, you can think like, oh, everyone's, this is what the latest trend is. So I'm going to start a business doing this. And it's all well and good following trends. But if it's not something that truly excites you and that you can see yourself still being excited by in a year, five years, 10 years time, then it's not sustainable. Mm, yeah I that was like I think the first chapter of my book where I was like you know building a business that you love because there's going to be these hard days and there's going to be the meagerine nights and there's going to be the you know the the horrible clients and if you know if you don't totally love what you do then you're going to crumble pretty quickly and you're not even going to feel inspired to find a way out of it exactly exactly and like I've definitely had those moments um 
one of the things that happened right before I finally pushed go on actually pivoting was I had a failed launch. So I, and it's, I laugh about it now because I'm like, ah, launch strategist who had a fail, failed launch. Mm-hmm. But what happened was I was like down to my last probably $100 in my business bank account. Mm-hmm. And I was banking on this launch going well. And what happened was my webinar platform crashed and I lost all 700 people who had registered for the webinar that I was going to be selling my course off the back of. Mm. And that was the point where I was like, I have no money in my bank account. This feels like I'm pushing a very heavy rock uphill trying to grow my, my business. Something needs to change. And that was what kind of triggered me to finally go all in and be like, okay, I'm actually going to pivot now. Mm, amazing. Okay, let's jump into this launch strategy because the reason <laughs> I got Steph on on today, especially actually we did Chantel, a client of mine who did online courses, launched them very successfully. And we told her incredible story of the exact same. She, I think she said she had like $50 in her bank account, COVID hit, all of her workshops got cancelled. She went online and made them all digital. And and ever since her podcast went live, especially, I've had lots of people saying, oh, I, I want to do courses and online courses. And I think it's really easy to see it advertised all the time as this, yay, everyone needs passive income and look at all these people making all this money. I can do that too. And I don't think that enough people realize what actually goes in to the passive income or the digital products um, because they, you know, you, we see the end goal of how pretty and nice they look and we see the people talking the success stories. Not many people talk about the the failed stories. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's let's talk about digital content and maybe if you want to share um, some insights because I think, you know, and I'd love for you to bust this myth of um, what would the myth be? The myth would be, I'm going to launch passive income. It's going to sit on my website and it's going to um, make me all the money while I travel the world. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Or the other big one I get is, oh, I'm going to just put it on my website and people are going to buy it. That's not, that's unfortunately not how it works. (laughs) Um, There is a lot of strategy that goes into a launch. I am a big believer that you need to be launching for 60 to 90 days before you even open doors. Most people think it's a matter of I create my course, I create my ebook or I create my membership, I put it on my website and then I build hype around it. That's what people think a launch is. Like I then convince people to buy it once it's already there. But 90% of the work happens before you even ask for that sale. By the time you're asking for the sale, it's just a few final little things to get them across the line. It shouldn't be the, that's not the point where you're trying to suddenly grow your audience and convince them to buy from you. Like there should not be any convincing. There should no, be no hype building. It's purely like you are using that 60 to 90 days beforehand to get them to the point where they need to be to be ready to buy from you. And then when you ask them for the sale, they're already ready to buy from you. They have a few final objections. That's where you would then, you know, send some emails out to them. Maybe if you're doing a live webinar, you would address them on the webinar or you might do sales calls, whatever your process is there. That's like the final step. But the launch is what happens well before that. I love it. And tell us, what would you be, what what kind of stuff would you be putting out the 60 to 90 days? Yeah. So I would be asking myself, okay, what does my audience need to know about themselves, about the topic that I teach, about the um, problem that they're trying to solve, about the result that they're trying to achieve? Like, what do they need to know to be at the point where they are ready to buy from me? And I'll give you my course as an example. So I have a course called Launch Magic, which helps people to launch a digital product. What they need to know before they are ready to buy Launch Magic is that creating a digital product and launching a digital product are two completely different things. That's one of the things they need to know. Um, Another example is that they need to know that they don't need to have a big audience to be ready to launch because so many people in my audience will be like, oh, 
I'll launch once I have more Instagram followers or once I have more email subscribers, but they don't actually need to have that before they launch. And what they need to know is that launching is actually how you grow those things. So that's where I use my pre-launch content. So I'll do podcast episodes, I'll do Instagram posts, I'll send emails to my list, teaching them those things so that by the time I say, hey guys, I've opened doors to my course, they are like, oh, cool, I'm ready for that. Does that make sense? Yep, I think that it definitely does. And um, I know that something that I've learned along the way too is like you're helping them to almost self-diagnose as well that they need what you have to offer, would you say? Yeah, you're you're qualifying them and you're um I, I think like gauging their attention, right? So you're like mm. if if you're producing like for example your 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 launch course, if you're um doing that that launch course, then you're you're almost capturing and tell me if this is what you would do, looking at how um getting people gauging the interest and finding the people to click on content that is, have you, you know, would do you want to run a course, your own course? Yeah, you're you're ultimately trying to get the right people. That's yeah. the that's the main thing, and you're not trying to get everyone to buy from you. You're trying to get the right people to buy from you. Yeah. Um, and just because people aren't interested this time around doesn't mean they might. It doesn't mean they won't buy from you in future times when you launch it. I think that's also another. Actually, that's another big. Um, misconception is that you are only allowed to launch your thing once right like once it's done and on your website it's launched I strongly recommend to people that they launch multiple times <laughs> like yeah, because, yeah. because there's, there's so much um buyers like hesitance hesitancy you know online it's like people I mean I'm an impulse buyer so I don't know what oh, yeah. <laughs> to no, probably have the shopaholic tendencies. But um, so when I see something and I know, and the other thing that I look for as a consumer is that person proving to me that what they're telling me is going to be inside the course is, is going to be of the quality that I'm expecting and that they're, the, they're a real expert on this. Yeah, and that's where things like testimonials and case studies and like even if it's something you've never launched before and you don't have testimonials speaking to the product, like you can use client testimonials, anything that speaks to like the results that you can achieve, the process of working with you, the value people have found in working with you, those things all speak to how legit your product is going to be and whether they can trust it. Mm, yeah so it's like that's the 60 to 90 days of really figuring it out and like showing up for people rather than just launching to a cold audience so if you are thinking about doing a course um or online product then start now <laughs> and basically start <laughs> for three months from now um <laughs> i had another question around that and i can't remember what it was it, any other don'ts like if it, do not do this um, when you're launching? Yeah. Um, don't, well, I mean, this kind of follows on really well from what we were talking about just then, but don't open doors, no, have nobody buy, and then be like, oh, crap, how do I how do I improve my launch now when you've already opened doors? Like there's very little you can actually do at that point to fix it. Um also, don't give up just because nobody's bought on the first day. Like a lot of people will wait until the very last minute to buy. Um, they'll wait until right before you close doors. Don't um, don't just put a product on your website and make it so that they can sign up whenever they want because people will always procrastinate and they will say, I will buy next week and they will actually not get around to that. <laughs> they will always forget. Yeah, and that was the point I was going to make before around um, there's so many options and, and people get so distracted or they talk themselves out of it or, you know, I'm not ready. Um, so, like, making sure that you're consistently showing up in your launch time and I think something you said before was really powerful around um, answering those little last-minute questions to get them over the line and knowing that, you know, you really have to showcase to people how much they're going to miss out on if they don't cross the line, right? 
Yeah. And I think also like there's so much in that mindset of selling as well, where we think like, oh, I don't want to inconvenience people by talking about my product. I don't want to inconvenience them and like be salesy. But selling's not being salesy. Selling is showing them that you have a solution to their problem. So you're actually doing them a disservice by not showing up and talking about your product and answering those questions for them and getting them across the line. Like if you if they genuinely have that problem and you genuinely have a solution to it, you're you're almost putting your own fear ahead of being able to help other people. Yeah, and you're just playing small because you're just like, yeah. oh well, it doesn't matter. Like this will do or whatever. It didn't work. Um, I like that and I think it's um, alleviating that pain and showcasing that and something that I've learned the way that I this really hit home for me it was a couple of years ago now I was in New York for three months like planning to live there like I Instagrammed the hell out of New York like it really, <laughs> and um, you know I met, it was doing so many things there's very like starry eyes I'm in New York content and I remember um Coming home, I remember getting an email, I think when I was there, of someone saying, oh, do you still live on the Sunshine Coast or on the Gold Coast? Something. It was like literally, yeah, like I hadn't lived in wherever they were asking me where I lived for like a year and I was in New York and I was talking about it all the time. Like my email blasts were New York, like everything, my podcast <laughs> was in New York. And I was like, wow, this really goes to show that people don't see your content. No, exactly. I I had this exact same thing with my last launch. I have this with every launch, but my last one in particular, I had about four or five e- people email me in the days after I closed doors being like, I missed all of your emails. Is it too late to join? I'm like, I've been emailing you guys for the last seven days to buy plus like months before that and you missed them? Like how? I don't get it. <laughs> I mean, that's the email going to junk, right? Surely. No, but it, it, they were replying. They'd seen the, they were replying to an email that they'd got, but a few days later. And like, I'd been posting about it on social media. I'd done webinars. I'd done podcast episodes. Like it was everywhere. And yeah. I was just, my mind was blown. I was running ads, retargeting them. Yeah. My it mind was blown. Show, yeah. It goes to show how distracted people are. And mm. I think it's, you know, there's content everywhere. Almost back to where we started this conversation is, um, you know, if you if you are trying to keep up on all the different platforms, then you won't execute really well on the platforms that matter. And yeah. you're just adding noise to people's lives that they don't need. <laughs> exactly. Oh, exactly. I could go on for, about that for hours. <laughs> and I think you've shared some really amazing insights into, tell us what, what your launch course is and where people can find it. My other only quick question before you jump into that, mm-hmm. do you recommend like that urgency around opening and closing and, yes. and, do, and saying no to people who miss out? Yes. Um, I think definitely the urgency with opening and closing is very important because yeah, people will procrastinate otherwise. Um, I mean, the big reason I do it for my course is because it literally only runs for 12 weeks um, and I want everyone to start at the same time. So that's one of the big drivers for it for me. But I strongly recommend to everyone, even if it's a course that they their students are self-pacing through, I still think having that open and closed is a powerful launch tool. Um, in terms of turning people away afterwards, there were a few people who had some circumstances like I think one person had a family member in hospital and she wasn't able to check her emails for the week. I was like, of course, like, of course, I'm going to make an exception in that case. Um, but for people who had just been sitting there, like putting it off, putting it off, putting it off and missed out, I was like, sorry, because if you're if you're putting off signing up, to the course, how much are you going to put off actually taking action and getting those results? And I don't want people who aren't going to get results in my course. I love that because it, I'm totally agree. It's like, I think that's where I got to with coaching as well. It's mm. like, you're either going to sign up and do this and take action on your advice, on the advice given. Otherwise, you know, it's it's not going to be a good reflection on the coaching. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, you, as much as you want to get as many people into your online products as possible, you also want to get the right people in and you don't want to get people in that you can't get results for because that's when selling starts to feel sketchy. And that's when it feels like you're doing people a disservice because you can't get that person results. Um, 
Although like to be fair, like the onus is on them to get the results, but mm. you do still want to get the, you, you do still want to get the best results possible for your students. Yeah. And I think that's where we were chatting about before, because it's like, if you show up, if your course exists to genuinely solve a problem for people who genuinely need that. And the moment you go into how many, how many sales can I get, then you're actually, that actually takes the shift off. Let me be of service with this great value to how much money can I get into my bank account? And then exactly. that's, I think when that energy goes into, you know, this person's just selling and selling. Um, so I think if you genuinely, you know, avoid, if you, if you stay in that energy of, I know that everything that I'm doing in this course is really going to help people, then that shows in the way that you communicate your sales. Exactly. Exactly. It's coming from a completely different place. I totally agree with that. Yeah. It's not tell like- us about your course now so that we can send people there to learn how to launch. Yeah. So it's actually, it's doors are closed at the moment. I'm actually currently teaching my students and I'll be reopening it probably around May this year. I haven't set proper dates for it because I, my family lives in New Zealand. I haven't seen them in a whole year. And as soon as we get a travel bubble, I'm heading straight over there for a good month without any work. So I don't, I'm trying to like juggle my year around that block that I'm going to take off. Um, so it'll probably be around April or May that I'll reopen the course. It's called Launch Magic. But in the meantime, what you can do is I have a free ebook called the Digital Product Kickstart Kit, which you can grab from stephtaylor.co forward slash kit. And that basically takes you through the initial steps of brainstorming your idea for a digital product, um, working out who you're going to be selling it to, what the selling points are, and then starting to create it so that the next time I do launch my course, you have a product that you can launch with the course. I love that. That You're a great example of your own advice. (laughs) (laughs) I practice what I preach. (laughs) That always helps. Thank you for sharing so generously with so many incredible tips and tricks and just general business advice in No, you're so welcome. I love talking about this stuff. I could geek out on it for hours. I know. I feel like we could go on for hours, but I also (laughs) want people to come and pay you for your time. (laughs) Fair enough. Yep. Love chatting, Steph. Thanks for being on the show. No, thanks so much for having me again, Kay. Thank you so much for tuning into the Startup Creative Podcast. If you get a chance, head to iTunes and leave a rating and review. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you get notified every time there's a new podcast up. See you next week.